snow hasn't fully started falling yet in most parts of Canada, but this weekend is the equivalent of Christmas Day in La Liga Santander. It's a Christmas that comes more than once a year. The first El Clasico of the season between Barcelona and Real Madrid is set to go on Sunday at Camp Nou. Today on the show, we will talk all about the match. We'll be joined by reporters who cover both teams with Nando Villa for a Real perspective and Kevin Williams for Barcelona, both of whom write for The Athletic. On Sunday, we also have our first La Liga event of the year. Homestand Sports in La Liga Santander will be hosting a viewing party for the match. Come out to the Pine Toronto and get a complimentary brunch and drink ticket. There will be Barcelona and Real shirts given away among other prizes and the La Liga trophy itself will be there. I'll be on a live Footy Talks pregame panel for the match with Joshua Cloak of The Athletic and Gareth Wheeler of TSN. You can head over to homestandsports.ca slash events to RSVP for free. Well, one of the most stable clubs in Europe the past few seasons. I think it's fair to say Real Madrid have descended into relative chaos in the past few weeks. Losses to Sevilla, Alaves, and Levante have Real Madrid 7th in an incredibly tight La Liga table. Their manager, Julian Lopetegui, is on the ropes. And the kings of Europe in recent years have not looked themselves. Uh, to preview the Real side of the El Clasico this weekend, we are now joined by Nando Villa of The Athletic. Nando, thanks for joining the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, we just finished watching uh, Real Madrid win their first game in, in more than a month, which seems just wild to say 2-1 over Victoria Pilsen at the Bernabeu in the Champions League. Uh, a game, evidently, one would expect Real to win, but they haven't win, been winning uh, games you would expect them to win lately very much. Um, but certainly not as comfortable of a win as we've, he would have expected, considering the opposition, was it? No, I mean, by the end, they, uh, Victoria Pilsen had a few chances to even tie it, which would have been an absolute catastrophe. I mean, Madrid um, ended up kind of begging for the final whistle, which was kind of crazy to see at home against a, a team that no one had frankly ever heard of um, in Spain. So, um, yeah, things aren't going that great. Um, well, you know, one of the biggest issues, obviously, for the team recently uh, has been offensively one goal in five games coming into this one, and we saw that again today. They had a ton of chances uh, to put Victoria Pills into bed, but uh, were not able to do it. Um, what's been behind this struggle? Because uh, evidently we aren't used to seeing Real Madrid teams that, that struggle to score goals. So I think this this is a very deep uh, structural issue with the squad um, that Madrid has. Um, if you look at uh, the team two years ago, the team that won the league and Champions League double um, under Zinedine Zidane, um, that team had a lot of goal-scoring production, especially off the bench coming from guys like Carmen Rodriguez and, uh, and Morata. Um, but then they left in the summer. And, it, and, and last season, when Ronaldo was out um, at the beginning of the season, the team really struggled to score um, and, and basically gave away the league in the first few months of the season when, when Ronaldo was you know suspended and then out of form. Um, so it showed that without him, this current crop of players really just can't, generate the kind of offense that you need to compete at the highest level. Um, so now that they sold Ronaldo to Juventus in the summer and replaced him with, you know, Mariano, who's an okay player, but not anyone who anyone thinks is going to score um, 30 goals a season. Um, the team is really struggling to score, especially when they desperately need it. They create all kinds of chances 
but but they don't have the guy there that's going to just bang him in. As you said, they will desperately need that offense to to wake up if it can this weekend uh, as they head into their first class go of the season on Sunday. Um, you know, this is an interesting match, of course, because it seems, uh, obviously, um, as I said, we're recording this shortly after uh, the Victoria Pilsen match, which uh, I know dates when this is being recorded, but I think that's important to do right now, considering uh, the kind of situation at Real right now, because um, we think at this moment that Julian Lopetegui will be the manager um, when they go into the, that El Clasico match. Um, but whether or not he gets there remains to be seen. You know, if he wins that match, even if he does win that match, do you think he saves his job? Because uh, he's gone on a run that only one Real manager has ever survived before, and and that was you know after they'd already won the the 2007-08 season uh, with Bern Schuster in charge. Yeah, I mean it's very clear that Lopetegui is is essentially a dead man walking, um, which is not a good situation to have. I mean, you know. The- the squad kind of knows it, right? So it's very hard, you know, to essentially, you know, respect someone's authority, take orders from someone when you know that that person is just, you know, kind of there uh, temporarily and is gonna and is gonna be out, any, you know, as soon as it's convenient. Um, all the reports indicate that the that the club's brass has already basically decided that he's not up to the job, and they're just looking for the best way to 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 get rid of him. The problem that they have is that they don't really know who to replace him with and that's so that's like what they're trying to figure out but everyone knows it it's just it's very weird to have him um be coaching and and you're right like if if they do somehow manage to win the classico what will they do because he's been totally discredited in the eyes of the owner uh, of the sorry of the of the club leadership um but it also will be very hard to fire him after a victory at, at the Camp no um you know this is the first classico in in like 11 years that that doesn't have Messi or Cristiano, you know, who knows what's, what can happen. It, it, you know, you could easily imagine um, Madrid somehow pulling it off. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an incredibly awkward and strange situation that Madrid finds itself in. Um, and, you know, it's just, it, it, the, the club, you know, is, it just was thoroughly unprepared for the, for the double exit of, Zidane and Ronaldo, like in in the span of like a month, you know they 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 really just didn't they didn't replace those two massive figures with the with the right kind of people to 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 move forward. And now we're, we find ourselves in, in this kind of very bizarre situation. You mentioned the fact uh, that this will be the first El Clasico in eleven years without Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi, which makes it a very different game, certainly, um, especially on the Barcelona side with Messi fracturing his arm. We obviously knew Cristiano Ronaldo wouldn't be involved in this match, but uh, how much does that change this match for Real Madrid? Because uh, all of a sudden, at at least a little bit, it has to make this match seem a lot more winnable than it was before without Barcelona's talisman playing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it blows the game wide open. I mean, it's not like Barca has been has looked great this season. I mean, despite all of Madrid's problems, um, you know, not scoring in, in, in a record amount of time, um, they are only four points back. I mean, that's just, it's not because Madrid did anything right. It's just because Barca has been pretty poor uh, as well. Um, and now they're without Messi, who was the guy who was kind of saving them, um, you know, whenever they did, whenever they did perform well this season, it was because Messi kind of bailed them out um, of jam. So the, the game is, 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 is much more open 
than it was a week ago when it looked like, you know, it looked like impossible for Madrid to win it. But now um, it looks like they have a prayer, although, you know, this situation with the coach, uh, uh, it makes it incredibly difficult. I mean, it's just, you know, you can, you can sense that as soon as things start going wrong, like everything collapses, right? You know, that was the thing that Madrid Zidane uh, Zidane's Madrid had that they, that they did really well is that like whenever they kind of faced adversity in a match they kind of remained calm and didn't fall apart even when it looked like everything wasn't going their way um, now it looks like at the slightest hint of trouble the team just collapses so. yeah. and that seems to have made its way kind of outside the match day as well obviously with some bust ups in training uh, and otherwise uh, is is the squad you know is the is the mentality as you said kind of fraying a little bit right now as this club um, experiences some turmoil that they haven't in a long time. I mean, things, uh, at least very much so in Europe, we saw last season some struggles in the league, but at least in Europe, the the club certainly hasn't had struggles like this in a long time. Well, I mean, I think that the figure of Zidane was so massive. I mean, he's, he's freaking Zidane, you know, like <laughs> one of the all-time legends of the game, and he and, and, and coupled with his personality, which is just so, you know, he was such a calming presence, you know, like whenever something bad happened or whenever there was some controversy over some player, he had such an ability to just kind of make it go away with some, you know, good humor and a smile. And he just kind of made everything kind of less important than it, than it really seemed at first blush. And that allowed, you know, the club to kind of soldier on through, you know, a lot of difficulties throughout his, throughout his tenure. Um, now, you know, you're starting to see things like, you know, um, Tony Kroos goes, goes off uh, with the German national team and, and gives an interview in which he says, you know, I, I, I'm not Casamino. I, I hate playing in that position. Um, and then the, the day he gets back, he, he, he's benched, right? You know, and like, so instead of like kind of diffusing the situation, it seems like Lopetegui was kind of, pointing the finger at him in a way, you know, like that's the, that's the kind of opposite of what Zidane would have done. Um, you know, that he would have, he would have like, you know, just been like, yeah, you know, he's probably right. Uh, whatever. And then he just moved on, uh, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's, a uh, it's, a uh, it's a very, very odd time for Madrid. And you're starting to see, um, sort of things kind of fraying, like you mentioned, the, uh, the very bizarre Sergio Ramos, um, dust up with, uh, with Reguilón in training, you know, just so out of character because, like, whatever you may think about Ramos, um, you know, as an opponent, whatever, he's, a, he's an incredibly gregarious teammate and captain with his own guys. You know, he's always very kind of, you know, trying to foment a good, you know, team unity and team spirit. And just to see him take on the, you know, the most junior member of the squad like that, it was just very, very out of character. What are the keys to this match this weekend for Real Madrid? Because, uh, of course, as we've said, uh, Barcelona certainly haven't been looking invincible either as of late, and uh, there's been injuries on both sides, but uh, Barcelona's backline especially um, looking a little bit shaky and, and certainly without the usual options that they have at uh, going into this match. Well, I think that the, 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 the one hope that Madrid fans can, can cling on to is that I, I think that if you look at if you look at both teams' midfield, um, the Madrid midfield has more, you know, has superior players. And if they are able to, um, you know, deny Barcelona the ability to control the to control the game and control the ball, um, they'll they'll give them a chance. Especially if Madrid scores first, 
um, you know, without without Iniesta there, who was always the guy who who was able to, you know, take the ball away from Madrid for extended period of time. Um, it looks like now with Casemiro, Kroos, and Modric, if they're on form, which they haven't really been all season, <laughs> but if they play uh, up to their level, you can imagine Madrid uh, controlling the midfield uh, and and giving their forwards a chance to to sneak to sneak a goal. Um, and if they can get a goal uh, before Barcelona, um, I think that will be huge. But if Barcelona scores first, I can just imagine Madrid just utterly collapsing. Um, because just like when when the confidence is low, like just any 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 bit of adversity just causes them to kind of panic and lose their shape. And before we get you out of here, um, a little bit closer to home here in North America, there has been some rumors that uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic um, could be on <laughs> Real Madrid's buy list. Uh, obviously, having a great season with the LA Galaxy, twenty-two goals and ten assists. Uh, this season so far through 26 matches. Um, is this a move that you could see being made? I mean, certainly wouldn't be traditional for Real Madrid to bring in a player um, from from MLS, uh, yeah. even a player of Zlatan's caliber. But do you think this could help them, or is this uh, just another one of those kind of uh, rumors that we hear, you know, 40 times a year with a club like Real Madrid? <laughs> well, I, I don't doubt for a second that someone at Madrid, you know, some, some member of the, of the club brass has either thought about it or done some initial inquiry. I, I have no doubts about that because I think that the, the club is desperate um, in the sense that, you know, they, they don't really have, you know, that kind of superstar firepower up top. But this, this move, when I was thinking about it the other day, this move kind of reminds me of when uh, Florentino Perez desperately bought Gazzano. Uh, in the winter transfer market and when the team was in a similar situation um, I think this was like in 2006 or 2005 um, that they brought in uh, Antonio Castano in the in the winter transfer market a guy who you know everyone knew was washed up at the highest level but you know maybe they thought that he could provide some sort of spark um, uh, you know I, I, I'll be willing to believe, believe anything at this point I mean I can I, I sense a club that is in complete disarray and total desperation like I you know the the report that you're hearing is that you know that the, the club is is actually kind of waiting for uh, Jose Mourinho to get fired um, to bring him back. Mm-hmm. Um, so you may even see like a Latan Mourinho reunion, um, which you know God help us uh, because that that will that will certainly be a, a quite a supernova of drama and um, you know. Uh, bringing Mourinho back, but it, but yeah, I mean, I'm 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 willing to believe anything at this point. I I I sense that the club is in is in a in a very very bad place right now. Yeah, that seems like the best way to cure a headache is with an even bigger headache in Mourinho. Um, but we yeah. could probably uh, we could probably talk about this team all day, considering how things are going right now. But uh, we're gonna wrap things up there. Uh, Nando, thanks for joining the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Before we discuss the Barcelona side of things, let's quickly look at where we stand after match day 9 in La Liga. Alaves defeated Celta Vigo 1-0. Levante shocked Real Madrid 2-1. Valencia and Leganes drew 1-1. Also drawing 1-1 were Villarreal and Atletico Madrid. Barcelona, they went top after defeating Sevilla 4-2. 10-man Rayo Vallecano fell to Getafe 2-1. Atletico Bilbao and Ibar were one all. 
Espanyol defeated Huesca 2-0. Valladolid were 1-0 victors over Real Betis. And there were no goals between Real Sociedad and Girona. That leaves the top of the table reading Barcelona in first. And then it gets a little funky with Espanyol sitting in second right now. Alaves sit in third. And Sevilla in fourth. In the relegation zone of the moment sit Leganes, Rayo Vallecano, and Huesca. Well, let's talk about the Barcelona side of this matchup then. Barcelona currently top of the La Liga table and come into this one as the reasonably heavy favorites, although those scales have been dipped slightly due to the removal of a man who physically doesn't weigh very much, but uh, clearly in the grand scheme of things does. Uh, To look at the Barca side of things from the Athletic and Barcelona Football blog, it's Kevin Williams. Kevin, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Well, uh, let's let's get it out of the way uh, right off the top because uh, it is easily the biggest talking point surrounding Barcelona at the minute. Uh, Lionel Messi, of course, fracturing his arm playing against Sevilla this weekend, and will not uh, will miss at least uh, a month at this point, um, which of course includes this weekend's Clasico. Uh, how does that change the complexion of this game from Barcelona's standpoint? Because uh, evidently it's it's going to be very bizarre to watch a El Clasico matchup without either Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi. Well, I think that uh, uh, luckily we've caught them at a very good time. Uh, their coach is hanging by a thread. Uh, I'm not sure if you watched their Champions League match, uh, but they had to wrestle with uh, Victoria Poulsen, um, they eked out a, a, a two-to-one win that really could have been a draw. So uh, they're kind of a mess right now. And frankly, Barcelona is a team that I think is underrated, uh, not only by its uh, supporters, but by football in general. If you remove Messi, who is without a, a doubt the greatest player this game has ever seen, but if you remove him uh, from that starting 11, you still have a very formidable uh, uh, group of uh, uh, players as they showed today when they handled Inter Milan fairly easily in Champions League. And I think that's what people forget is that Messi is this galvanic player that makes us reconsider what we frankly know and expect from the game of football. When you remove that kind of uh, player, you still have Suarez, you have uh, Busquets, you have Coutinho, you have Rakitic. It's still a very strong lineup. I mean, I think that uh, Barcelona will still be a favorite, especially if Marcelo winds up being injured. Um, As right now, I believe he is a doubt for that match. And Frankly, I think uh, that the Madrid coaching situation leads even more uncertainty for them as regards their lineup, their performance. I mean, uh, frankly, nobody even knows whether Lopetegui will be coaching them on Sunday. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, certainly a lot of chaos on the Real side that, that helps Barcelona in a big way going to this match. But there is 
at least one other sort of injury concern positionally for Barcelona, and that's at the back with Samuel Mtiti and uh, Thomas Vermaelen out, uh, both for significant periods of time. Um, is, is that a concern at all? I mean, like you said, today they handled Inter Milan fairly well, and um, they've been on at least a decent run of form of late. But, um, you know, at some point, uh, the defensive depth has to at least catch up with them a little bit, you'd think. Well, right now they have gotten fairly uh, lucky in that the two key matches happen right back to back. And right now Gerard Piquet has thankfully overcome that weird wandering form he had early in the season and bringing in Long Way from, uh, from uh, Sevilla at the exact right time means that that uh, back line really doesn't lose much when you swap in long way for Umtiti. Uh, they're that same kind of player, that uh, same player who is a, a proactive defender who likes the ball at their feet, who closes down space well. So I think that long term, um, yes, it will be a weird situation, but obviously there is uh, video all ready of Umtiti doing his recovery work. Um, he is expected to rejoin the uh, group probably next week. So I think that that injury crisis is, like most uh, crises that involve the club, not as big of a crisis as people think. You can't obviously replace Lionel Messi with one player. Uh, Lord, no. We did see a great performance from uh, from Rafinha today, uh, who did a good enough job. I mean, he, he scored at the very least, so that's a positive in itself. Um, which players are you looking at specifically to to step up during this time? And um, you know, once one player goes down, as as we've said, that you know another player uh, maybe gets more opportunity to get uh, kind of be more of that focal point. So, uh, is there any player you're looking at currently that uh, hopefully can do that for Barcelona? Uh, well, it's funny, right? The Fortress Champions League match, uh, Ruff, Fino was one of the names that I said would make sense in that sort of messy surrogate role, and people scoffed, but then he came in. He was in the starting 11. He scored a goal, uh, worked hard on defense, helped with possession, and was a very effective substitute. Um, I, I would not be shocked that you won't see that same lineup on Sunday. Right now, the biggest problem that uh, Valverde has is Dembele because he is not in form. Um, he doesn't look uh, like he'll be uh, getting in form anytime soon. He got no minutes versus Inter. And right now, his confidence seems to be in a weird spot. So I don't know. I mean, obviously, he is the one uh, player. He's fast. He's dynamic. He's got a a fantastic shot. He can create uh, chances, but it's what he's not uh, doing off the ball. That's why he's not playing. Uh, when you see what uh, Rafinha does with uh, defending, with tracking back, with helping in possession, with uh, being stable in possession, that's all the stuff that uh, Dembele needs to emulate. And if he emulates that, uh, you'll have a hard time getting him out of the lineup. Right now, I don't see him uh, getting that much much time in the Classico. Uh, you may see Malcolm before you see Dembele, and that would be a 
huge blow for the Frenchman. Yeah, it certainly would, uh, especially considering the kind of money he was brought in for and the the kind of stature that he was considered at when he was brought into this club. Um, going into this game on the weekend, what's what are the keys for you in terms of Barcelona winning this match? Because as we've said time and time again, they are definitely the favorites going to this match. Um, you know, even even if they lose it, I mean, you know, if Real lose it, uh, everything's going off. They're for sure losing a manager. Um, who knows where it goes from there? If Barca lose it, it, it will be you know obviously a tough blow, but it won't be. Uh, the same crippling uh, thing for them. Um, what are what are kind of the keys for them in this match that uh, to be able to overcome, as we've said, a Real side in, in a little bit of disarray right now? Um, the biggest key is what we saw uh, versus Inter, and that's uh, match control. Right now, with Arthur signing into the lineup uh, like he was raised at uh, La Masia, um, <laughs> that is a huge, huge thing in terms of how the team plays because obviously when you keep the ball more you can see uh, fewer chances which means that your match is more stable and more controlled so that means you'll certainly see the lineup that we or the mid uh, field that we saw today with our Rakitic uh, Busquets and then Arthur and that'll be the most stable lineup uh, that uh, they'll barely uh, can roll out uh, there in the midfield. Uh, front, you'll see Suarez, of course. Uh, you'll probably see Coutinho. And my guess is that you'll see Sergio Roberto on that right wing there with a uh, Semedo as right back because I don't need that pace just in case Bale or somebody gets loose. So um, I think that. Uh, right now with the ball control, uh, I don't see Barcelona losing that match. I could see them drawing if some fluke goal comes or if Bale does a run. But right now, the way that team is playing, if they control the match, they will win, I would say, 2-1. Uh, uh, to one. Fair enough. And, you know, you've talked highly, highly about this team and uh, definitely – um, they are deserving of it considering some of the recent results um, where do you see them kind of right now in that European hierarchy right now because obviously we've seen uh, in Champions League this year some great performances from Juve another big win of late over Manchester United um, obviously Real have have kind of left a, a void a little bit and then another side out of Spain that we thought would maybe be in that top group Atletico um, had a surprising loss today so uh, it does sound not that right surprising. Now like like not that surprising. Nope. So I mean, not for you. Um, no, their main problem has always uh, been scoring goals and being susceptible uh, to the counter, and mm-hmm. uh, that was mm-hmm. uh, those two. That's what Dortmund sure, does, yeah. That's what Dortmund does, right? And uh, when you can move the ball uh, quickly and get up the wing quickly. Uh, Felipe Luis is uh, feeling his age, and they can be gotten at. Uh, so that result was uh, not a shock for me at all. I think in terms of European hierarchy, the only team I see uh, that has as much of a chance to win Champions League as Barcelona will be Manchester City. Uh, right now, the way uh, they are defending is really impressive. 
and obviously their attack is always uh, been exceptional. Um, that weird instability they had uh, last season is gone, and I think that Guardiola has shaped them into a very formidable side. That said, I think that they still have this it's this weird fragility that you see from time to uh, time that you saw against uh, Liverpool that you see in Champions League when they aren't uh, playing some middle. So I don't know if they're my favorite. I still think uh, for me that Barcelona when they get their whole team back healthy and gelled and if uh, they can get uh, uh, Dembele uh, playing the way we know he can uh, they're the favorite for me far and away yeah it's interesting considering uh, I guess on the city side how close the table is this year in, in England but if you look at some of their underlying numbers and, and, and some of that stuff they're playing up to the standard or better than last year so yeah, it will be very interesting to see over the next few months to, as to what happens in the Champions League and uh, which of these European super clubs can claim supremacy. But, of course, this weekend, um, that big match comes first. So uh, thanks again for coming on, Kevin, and uh, looking forward to Sunday even more now. Um, my pleasure, and Mr. Um, Baca. Uh, and thank you, everyone, for listening. As I said off the top, come out to the Pine Toronto to watch what will be a fascinating El Clasico. I can hardly wait for Sunday.